Welcome to another episode of Canary in a Coal Mine. Today's episode is sponsored by evec.store. Evec for all your travel needs. My wife says I am very, very messy when we travel. She doesn't like that my stuff is all over the place and not really folded real neatly in my suitcase. That's why I kind of look disheveled where I go. So she got me these awesome packing cubes and now I can keep everything nice and neat, take them right out of the bag, drop them in the dresser of wherever you're going and you are good to go. No more stuff all over the floor of whatever hotel room or house you are staying in. So please check out my friends at evec.store for all your travel needs. That's E-V-E-K dot store. Okay, lots happening in Seattle, lots happening around the world, but let's get exactly to what happened in Seattle yesterday. Seattle City Council, once again, voted to defund the police department. What do I mean by that? About a month ago, they voted to defund the police department. Okay, the mayor comes in and vetoes that. Mayor Jenny Durkin comes in and vetoes that. The city council was expected to override the veto, but there had been rumors flying beforehand that some of them may have actually grown a spine and were going to sustain the veto and not do the cuts because so many people had pushed back on this around the city. Well, the rioters got wind of this and started showing up at their houses again, and they caved. Now, Andrew Lewis was one of them. They expected him to vote a certain way. Now, Andrew Lewis was a city attorney. He's one of the people who released some of the prolific offenders who now plague downtown Seattle. So those of you who voted for him, thank you so much for that. Now you put him on the council. He doesn't have a spine on a good day. And now the protesters showed up at his house. He caved. To their credit, uh, Councilmember Peterson and Councilmember Juarez had protesters show up at their house. They didn't cave. Dan Strauss, who he's a nothing, but he voted to override the veto. Pretty much it was a near unanimous vote to override the veto. There were three items to override. Two of the items were veto were overridden unanimously. One of them was voted seven to two, Juarez and Peterson being the only ones who didn't override it. What does this mean for you? It means that now socialists and Marxists are running your city. It means the mayor has no power whatsoever, which leaves her susceptible, susceptible to a challenge from the left or the right, more likely the left, like somebody like Teresa Mosqueda, who is a Seattle City Council member right now, who is Kishama Sawant Marxist light, but she is still one of them, and she will most likely be challenging the mayor. I can't think of anybody who would pose a challenge from the right. I don't see a path to victory because all the common sense people are moving out of Seattle anyway. Jenny Durkin is going to be your right candidate. So we're screwed. That's really it. There is no recourse. For those of you who are worried about police showing up, not going to happen. I'm going to tell you why. They cut 100 officers out of the Seattle Police Department. They cut the Harbor Patrol. They cut the navigation team, which clears homeless encampments because we have a we don't have a massive homeless problem here in Seattle. Not at all. No, of course not. The encampments haven't been growing exponentially here in Seattle, so they're only going to get worse. Uh, they've been shuffling officers around, so now some of them are doing patrol duty who shouldn't be doing patrol duty. Some of them are losing certain benefits. This is only going to get worse. They were operating at 60% of capacity before all this happened, so I can only imagine what their numbers are now. Probably much, much lower than that, but don't worry. If you have a problem, if nobody else can help, and if you can find them, you can call Seattle's new street czar, who is a former pimp. Yes, you can't make this stuff up. Seattle is now paying $150,000 to a guy named Andre Taylor, whose brother Che Taylor was shot during a drug bust and resisting arrest. Yes, they shot him because of that, and the officers were cleared of any wrongdoing because this guy was a problem and was reaching for a weapon. So this guy, this guy Andre Taylor, rises to local stardom, I guess for lack of a better word, because his brother was shot, and forms a group called Not This Time. Now, 
to his credit. He apparently wasn't happy with the armed occupation of downtown Seattle because he thought it took away from the movement, the Black Lives Matter movement. But at the same time, this guy is a former pimp of underage girls. I'm not making this up. This is right out of the Las Vegas Sun. They have his whole entire arrest record here. Arrest, 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 pimping, 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 pandering, all this kind of, it's all here. It's all right here. All this kind of stuff. And they hired him for $150,000 a year to de-escalate issues on the streets of Seattle. So don't worry. If you have a problem, you call 911 and they will send the street czar, a.k.a. the child trafficker pimp, over to solve the problem. No problem, Seattle. You are covered. And if that doesn't work, no problem. Seattle City Council has been saying, we are going to reimagine policing. No problem whatsoever. They got it covered for you. Here's how they're going to reimagine policing. They're going to send a social worker to deal with the problem. Yes, a social worker. A tenant of mine is down the street. Told me that the social worker showed up when they called him because the encampment's growing out of control and they're breaking into their shop and you name it. Social worker showed up, told this business, just give them a sandwich and let them have access to the bathroom and you're good. That's what the social workers are going to do that are now patrolling our streets. Mind you, Seattle, Seattle, Seattle City Council cut funding for the navigation team, which was made up of police officers and social workers who went to talk to these people. 90% of the people they encountered still turned down services. They didn't want the homeless services because they want to continue doing whatever they're doing on the streets. Many of them are not in their right state of mind. They have mental illness. They have drug issues. But don't worry. Now this is all going to be handled by social workers, not police officers. Did they not learn their lesson from Minneapolis when they defunded the police department and then the Seattle City Council hired their own private security guards and was shocked that crime went sky high. In the CHOP this year, crime went up by 525% when there were no cops around. What do you think is going to happen? Just a guess. Can you imagine why businesses are leaving Seattle all of a sudden? I can't imagine why. Why are people moving out of the city? This is why somebody on the right doesn't really have a path to victory anymore because all the common sense people are leaving. This week I did an interview with Cairo 7, with Essex Porter of Cairo 7. And he was asking me how I felt about the Justice Department investigating Seattle and possibly pulling federal dollars from Seattle. And what did I say? I said, it makes perfect sense. If you want federal dollars, you have to pay, play by federal rules. If you don't want federal dollars, do whatever you want. So if you don't want to enforce the law, don't take the federal dollars. Oh, nothing better than going onto Facebook and some of the neighborhood groups I'm in, and they don't know that I'm in these neighborhood groups, and they're just tearing me to shreds. I do find it entertaining that people who sympathize with anarchists and are anti-government are now upset that the government won't be getting more money. Think about that. Think about the irony in that. Because, of course, Seattle deserves to be investigated. Two people were killed. Two African-Americans were killed in the chop. There were five shootings. There were rapes. There were robberies. As I said before, crime went up 525%. And the mayor and the city council allowed this to happen. They were negotiating with these groups like not this time. They were negotiating with all these different groups in the chop. And then they gave them $100 million dollars to go away and to go do whatever they wanted. They also gave them a fire station. They gave them whatever they wanted. They spent a million dollars on barricades to enforce the barriers, the borders of CHOP. I find it very entertaining that people who are against Trump's border wall were very big on building borders for the CHOP. Just think about that for a minute. The irony here is absolutely killing me. Now, as if that wasn't bad enough, while nobody was paying attention because everybody was focused on what was going on with the Seattle City Council and the defund vote, 
the Public Safety and Human Services Committee of the Seattle City Council, were meeting yesterday to have a hearing to try and establish injection sites in Seattle. They've been trying this for years, and now they figure since nobody's paying any attention whatsoever, they can push forward and do it. They had a, they were discussing the final heroin opioid addiction task force report, the project description for supervised consumption. They had a presentation from Seattle King County Public Health and a presentation from the organization Yes to SCS. SCS stands for Safe Consumption Sites because they can't say heroin injection den. They can't say that. So they call them safe consumption sites. There's nothing safe about these things at all. If you go on YouTube, you check out my video, Injected. It has thousands of hits on Facebook and social media about my visit to these injection sites. They aren't paying attention to a report that came out of Alberta last year. Alberta government paid for this report to find out if these things were actually working because they have these injection sites all over Canada. And what did they find? People are dying in the entire area around. Overdose rates have gone up. People are not going to treatment. And there's needles littering the ground. Anybody surprised by this? If you give drug addicts drugs, they're going to use them. Now, this big lie about how people don't die at injection sites is it's that's what it is. It's a fabrication. It's a lie because people shoot up and then go somewhere else and die there. Also, here's something else. You know, Disneyland, that urban legend that nobody's ever died at Disneyland before. That's because Disneyland employees cannot declare you dead. You need an EMT, I think it's a medic or an EMT, I forget which one, or a coroner to declare you actually dead. So what happens is they show up, they evaluate you and you're dead, and by then you're outside the gates of Disneyland. That's the urban legend. But here, so they take you to the hospital, you die at the hospital, it doesn't count as being a death at the injection site. They find you in a tent because you overdosed at the injection site and you died in your tent. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. This thing is literally killing people. And your elected representatives want to bring it to Seattle. Now, they're worried about how this may play with the voters if they drop these things in their city. So they came up with a mobile injection site. Yes, one on wheels. It will travel and ruin all the neighborhoods of Seattle. So excited about that. So... Now Seattle's pushing that forward on top of now having pimps and uh, social workers patrolling our streets for us because we don't have cops anymore. What do you think is going to happen here? What do you think is going to happen? Now, who is in on these groups that are pushing the injection sites? One of the names is very familiar. It's a guy named Shiloh Jama. Shiloh Jama is with the People's Harm Reduction Alliance, which is pretty much an organization that advocates drug users to be accepted commonly into society. Now, I have no problem with people being accepted into society when they've been through treatment and served whatever time they need to be. Fantastic. Welcome back with open arms. But what they push for is that addicts actively using drugs be part of society and it be normalized behavior. So they offer... They underground injection sites. He admits that these things are in Seattle right now, which could be why you're finding needles everywhere. They have needle exchanges, which are funded by the city, where they just give out boxes of needles. Not one-for-one one exchange. They're just giving out boxes and boxes of needles. This is a guy who has videos showing you how to inject heroin. This is the kind of stuff that this guy has online. And they call us not compassionate because we're trying to get these people treatment. And we're trying to get these people the help that they need. But they don't want these people to get the help they need because then their gravy train from the city runs out. Yes, that's what's actually going on. There's another name in here you might recognize, Lisa Dugard. Lisa Dugard, the director of the Law Enforcement, I'm sorry, the Law Enforcement Assisted Diversion Program, the LEAD program. And what do they do? They divert people from prosecution, from incarceration, and they divert them to treatment. 
What does that actually mean? We don't know because LEED still hasn't given us any of their data, even though it's been asked for many, many times. Anytime you ask for it, they promise it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I don't think I've seen any numbers since 2014, yet they keep getting funded again and again and again. To Mayor Jenny Durkin's credit, she asked for the numbers this year. She did a whole audit of these guys, and then the city council overrode her again because she has no power and pushed forward their funding again. So you're going to let criminals back on the streets. You're going to give them drugs. And you're going to get rid of the police. Anybody want to guess how this is going to end in Seattle? Anybody want to guess? With businesses moving out, you had Amazon bail on hundreds of thousands of square feet of real estate. They moved out to Bellevue. You're in for a massive office real estate market crash. Now, what's interesting is people are moving out to the suburbs, so the housing prices are actually going out through the roof. Why is that happening? There's not enough supply because the Seattle City Council has established such insane rules for the zoning department that you can't build whatever you want. It takes forever to build things. This is only going to get worse and worse and worse, and people are going to leave Seattle in droves. Don't say, I didn't warn you. This is coming for your city, too. Pay attention. Now, one more thing I want to get to today. I don't usually talk about the national stuff, but I want to talk about the death of Justice Ginsburg for just a minute. However you feel about what's going on, take this into account for a minute. She was a legal trailblazer. I may not agree with a lot of her decisions on the Supreme Court, but the cases she handled before she was on the Supreme Court, legal trailblazer. It's amazing. In Judaism, we have a saying when somebody dies, we say, Baruch dein emet. Blessed is the true judge. That's what you say, because God is the one true judge. We also say, may she have an aliyah neshama, which means may her soul go up to heaven. We say that. And Justice Ginsburg was Jewish, and we believe that. But there's some things that came out of this that are troubling to me. People are getting upset about her funeral because a Jewish body is supposed to be buried the next day. You know what, people? Her family's obviously not observant. Get over it. But I do understand the people being upset that they can't go to their grandparents' funeral, but meanwhile, they can have all these massive assemblies for Justice Ginsburg in the Capitol, and nobody says anything about it. I do understand the double standard there. That's not cool, because you're putting one person on a pedestal and saying, this person's life is more important than this person's life. Every life matters, and people need to stop doing that. Here's something else, and my friends on the right are not going to be happy with what I'm about to say, but don't worry. I'll upset the people on the left right after that. In terms of filling the seat, if you were one of those people who said that Obama, President Obama, shouldn't fill um, Anton Scalia's seat with Merrick Garland because the next guy should do it, then now you don't get to say that President Trump should fill the seat. Be consistent. Conversely, on the left, if you're one of the people who said the president has every right to fill the seat, he should fill the seat now, you don't get to say that President Trump doesn't get to fill the seat. It doesn't say anywhere in the Constitution that a president cannot fill a Supreme Court vacancy right before an election. I believe it's 29 times this has happened before. Out of the those 29 times, 15 or 16 times it's been when the same party controls the White House and the Senate. Out of those times, only two times the nominee did not get confirmed. So there is historical precedent for this. There's nothing in the Constitution that says, honor the last wishes of a dying judge. It just isn't in there. None of that is in there. There's nothing in the Constitution that says, honor the last wishes of Franklin, Jefferson, Roosevelt, Washington, Adams. There's nothing about that. And we knew some of the things they wrote. They weren't happy with some things. Some of them wanted to free the slaves and weren't able to during the fight over the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. How come they didn't write that in? Oh, my dying wish. I want all the slaves to be freed. I don't know if they would have honored it. Would have been a nice thing to write. But at the same time, we don't do dying wishes because then where would we be? 
Dying wishes for what? We're just going to honor it this time? No. That's absolutely crazy. What if there was a note next to uh, next to another uh, conservative justice's bed when he died, like Antonin Scalia, that said, I want to, my seat to be filled with a conservative. You think anybody will listen? No. That's the way the dice come out. It happens to be a, it happens to be a Republican president and a Republican Senate. They get to fill the seat. And when it's a Democrat president and a Democrat Senate, they get to fill the seat. This is the way the Constitution works. Checks and balances, separation of powers. It's all part of the same thing. You want to feel good about things? Go watch the West Wing episode in season five, season six, called The Supremes, when they have to fill a Supreme Court seat. You want to feel good about something? Go watch an episode of TV, because unfortunately, the West Wing is not real life. It's the way we all want politics to be. It's not the way politics actually are. All I'm asking is for everybody to be consistent. If you said one thing back then, you should say the same thing now. Be consistent regardless of who's in the White House. For me, I was going to be one of the people who said, hey, you know what? I think maybe we should wait till after the election. But then I see the insanity coming up where the Democrats are saying, if you push this nominee forward, we're going to pack the court. We're going to put our own people on the court if we win the election. We're going to do this. You don't get your way when you do threats. You don't negotiate with people who are threatening you. If you're threatening to tear down the entire system because you don't like the results, that does not somebody I want to negotiate anything with. We see all the political theater going on right now. That's what it is. This is all theater. You know, you don't even have to do those hearings technically on nominee. Trump could just say, here's my nominee. The Senate could go up or down vote and they're done. I think that would be bad. I think that would be a massive explosion. But why would I want to negotiate with people who are threatening to burn down the institution itself? Why would I want to do that? Look at people in Louisville right now. That was all pre-planned. Those riots are happening right now. That was all pre-planned. We saw about that U-Haul truck that was registered to people who are the people who bail these people out of jail that is unloading supplies for the rioters right out of the U-Haul truck. Regardless of what that decision was, they were going to riot. Because you know when you don't get your way, you riot. When my kids don't get their way and they yell and scream, do you think I listen to them? No, I send them to their room. And unfortunately, nobody stood up to do this. And I'm very disappointed that... Uh, former Vice President Biden and that Senator Kamala Harris have not stepped up and said, no, don't do this and tried to de-escalate this in any way. Why haven't they? Because these are their voters and they're worried about alienating their voters. That's what's going on right now. It's going to happen to every city that puts up with it. Why did it come to an end so quickly in Kenosha? Because the National Guard came in and said, no, we're going to see what happens in Louisville. But you come in and say, no, we're going to arrest people and that's it. And we're going to enforce the law. And then people don't do this kind of stuff. But when you give them a license to do whatever they want, you end up with a city like Seattle where they do whatever they want. Look at the lessons from across the country of how cities have handled these riots and decide what kind of city you want to be. Until then, don't say, I didn't warn you. We'll see you next time.